0: Sugartown, the two hour documentary from Investigation ID, goes behind the suspicious death of 22 year old Victor White III. Today, we have two special guests with us Victor's father, Reverend Victor White, and family lawyer, Carol Powell Lexing. Stay tuned.
1: You are tuned in the Black Hollywood Live Conversations. Oh.
0: Hey guys, welcome to Black Hollywood Live Conversations. I am your host, Nakia Monet, and I am joined today with two very special guests. Hello guys, how are you? Hello, how, how are you? Are you doing? I'm doing good. So we are here with the Reverend Victor White and family attorney Carol Powell. Thank you. I was like, okay, <laughs> thank you very much. So we are here to discuss the amazing documentary that I checked out for myself on Investigation ID called Sugartown. And Sugartown investigates the suspicious death of Reverend, your son, Little Vic, Victor White III's death. Um, So, Reverend,
1: tell us a little bit about the documentary. Sure. I think the most important part about the documentary, that it exposes corruption in a small town in a great way. Also that it gives an opportunity for us to be able to have a platform to talk about uh, those of us who have been impacted in those small towns. By corruption, by police officers and brutality, as well as uh, uh, excessive force, you know, and so therefore, I really we really uh, appreciate uh, uh, Sugar Town so so much because uh, we get a chance now to voice my son. I become my son's voice, you know. Yes. I'm my son's legacy, you know. You know, we all wished, uh, well, I know I would, that my son would be my legacy, but Sugar Town gave me an opportunity to start the uh, healing process and also. So become the legacy of my son.
0: That's beautiful. For those who are listening to us, because we have listeners on iTunes and those who visually can see us on uh, YouTube, let me just give you guys a little background of the documentary. Uh, Sugar Town also features interviews from yourself and Carol, um, your wife Vanessa, who's Victor's mother, uh, your daughter LaKeisha, and your son LC. Also features uh, interviews from New Iberia radio host Tony Brown. So really, really. It hit hard uh, watching the documentary, and it was a very important message, and I'm glad that this documentary is out there. Uh, Reverend, a question for you. As a parent and working on this documentary, and it's kind of like you and your wife are reliving everything all over again, how has that process been, and what was it that made you say, you know what, this is what we're going to do, and we're working with Investigation ID?
1: Well, that that was one of the crucial parts of it because we didn't get national attention. You know, with my wife, my wife is still emotional, and I still get emotional about it as well, you know, because again, you know, that's. Uh uh, my my baby boy. Yeah. And and so therefore, uh there's a hold that it is still there, you know. But we're healing. We're still healing. Yeah. Four years later, we still haven't healed and we're still healing. And so when uh, uh investigation ID when they did come aboard and uh Stephen Avery Entertainment, it was just an awesome experience. We had an opportunity now, you know, to actually uh share uh 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 with more people, yeah. and I've seen it as you know a, a unique opportunity that uh, that we couldn't pass up. And so, uh, and each time I tell the story, and every time you know we they came down uh, to uh, interview us and putting the pieces together, you know it. Uh, um, it, it it brought back the memories, you know, oh, my son, has not only his life, but also brought back the memories of his death.
0: Yeah, it's pretty hard. And, um, you know, I think as an audience member, we're blessed to have you guys and to have you guys carry on this legacy because it opens up a door and we get to see what has been going on. Because, you know, I always say with social media and camera phones now, these things have always been happening, but we actually get to see uh, what's happening. When you and your family got the call that your son was murdered um, and you guys head down to where he was and you weren't getting any answers, no one was answering any of your questions, you thought it was a good idea to call uh, Tony Brown. Uh, What... Was it that made you say, you know what, he's going to be the guy to get our message out there? And what made you want to give him a call?
1: Well, you know, uh, uh, I've known him prior to this, you know, and so i also listened at the show, and we was, uh, uh, we had been uh, friends prior to this. And so at the time when we were denied, you know, I wanted something to happen right then. See, because normally if we pay close attention to the uh, in-custody deaths of our, our, our young black men, the police would actually set the narrative. You see, so I wasn't going along that, so I got on the phone right then. After you know, I seen my sons. Uh, after I seen the, uh, my son by the scene that he was beaten. Well, when I was came, coming out and you know, checked on my wife, well, the next thing I did was call Tony Brown. Mm. You know, and then I knew about our, our, our Carl Paul Lixing uh, from the Gina Six. So I called him to get in touch with her. Mm-hmm. Same day, before I even took a, you know, before we drove back, And so, like I said, you know, we didn't know what the narrative was because they wouldn't give me any information on the death of my. And they told me it was under investigation. Also uh, the uh coroner told me that it was under investigation. Then the uh uh the supervisor that was in charge from the Louisiana State Police Criminal Investigation Division, he told me it was under investigation. So and I knew right then when they took that route that it was a cover up in place. So I wasn't gonna allow them to set the narrative.
0: That's yeah. As I was watching it, I'm like, no, (laughs) I was watching it live as it was going. And I'm like, no, this can't be happening. Why is this happening? Um, So the state police, they issued a press release via Facebook. And the first thing they say is Victor Little Vic commits suicide while in police custody and handcuffed. I know what was going through my mind. When you guys heard and read that and seen that, what was going through your mind
1: well, it was unbelievable as I said the narrative you know I was I was I got angry because I had just left there I left two hours later and then a friend of mine called and told me to uh, to go and look on the Louisiana State Police uh, website he said oh, the other press release out about your son and then two things that stood out more when they say he committed suicide another thing that stood out that they said he had become uncooperative you know and like I said my children were trained all my children were trained that if you encounter the police you call me you don't you know you you ain't got to do you don't have to get belligerent if they do you know just to up what they said at that point and give me a call. So when I seen that, you know, I mean, the, I, I was, I was uh, again, I got so angry that I, I did. I called them, I called and asked for the guy that did the press release, you know, and he told me on the phone that he only released what they was giving to him, that I want to talk to Lieutenant Trahan, and that was in the individual I was in the room with, and I told him, no, I don't need to talk to him. He've already told me, and then he talked about him. No, I don't need to talk to anyone else, uh, uh, anyone else uh, with you. all And the next day, very next day is when we met with a, a attorney Cal Pollack, because to me, I think that had, there was a sense of urgency that we uh, met with her to get the things going, because other than that, if they would have set the narrative, you know, we would have been another case, because there was eight other uh, uh, unexplained deaths under the same uh, sheriff.
0: Wow. And then comes Carol. Um, so, Carol, you are no stranger to civil rights cases. What made you want to take on this case?
2: Well, when Reverend White and I—well, actually, when I met with Reverend White and Mrs. White and they related what had been given to them, it absolutely made no sense to me. And I knew from that point that there was something wrong with this case. And so from that point, I— took the information from them, went back to my office, got my investigator, and then we went down to New Iberia to kind of check out this alleged video where they initially said he was involved in a fight to only find out that he was not involved in a fight, and there was really no reason why he really should have been taken into custody by the New Iberia Sheriff Department. And once we found out that information, we put we set the ball in motion, sending letters to the state police wanting to get all the evidence that maybe they had gathered and just really find out what are you going to do about what has happened to Victor White, the third, because what we see doesn't make any sense. So we need you to help us get to the bottom of what's going on in light of the fact that you have just disrespected this family because you gave them the runaround and you did not see fit or thought they were worthy of you giving them the appropriate information for them to find out what really happened to their child without you releasing this, this phony press release saying that he had shot himself in the back when in fact he was not shot in the back and there were no bullet holes in his back.
0: I was going to say, then the
2: coroner's report comes out and says that now he's shot in the chest. Right. But what about five months later, the coroner's report comes out and contradicts what the state police has said. And from that point on, we knew— It was a cover up because it doesn't make any sense that law enforcement can't tell the difference between a bullet hole in the front of a person as opposed to a bullet hole in the back of a person. And he had no bullet holes in his back. So why would you release a statement saying that he had a bullet hole in his back that he shot himself in the back when, in fact, he shot that he was killed and he was shot in the in the chest? Yeah. He was shot in the chest. There's a big difference.
1: And one of of the most amazing things about that when we met with the coroner, the coroner Mm. said that um, evidently he didn't see the initial press release. Because he uh, wanted to argue with me and my wife when I told him, I said, wait a minute, you're telling me my son was shot in, the, shot in the chest? I said, but the press release said he was shot in the back. And he said, well, no, the press release didn't. Yes, sir, it did. And at that time, you know, because of what he said, I would called my daughter and told my daughter, I said, go on the website right now and uh, get me a copy of the press release mm. just in case, again, because I know how corrupt, you know, they all work together. Yeah. So, chief downloaded a couple, you know, and he told me that. And then, so, on, on the other thing that was so, uh, that also stood out to me to know that, uh, that when I seen my son and my son spoke to me while there was, you know, saying no, daddy don't let him get away, you know, that I, you know, I wasn't going to let him get away, but as my son, you know, and i seen that where well, he told me that my son, you know, uh, he said he shot himself on the right side. I said, so you said my son shot himself with the right hand. And corner. agreed. I said, well, my son left-handed. Mm. And then he told me no. So that's why and one of the things he said that he had to have a to do, you know, so I told him, I said, well, you know, and I asked the corner, I said, well, look, can you tell me something? How much are they paying you to agree with their lies, you know and and he said, Well, I don't get paid. He said, I don't get paid that much. I said, So you're selling out for a little bit of nothing? Right. You know, and I told my wife at that time, we didn't want to even hear anymore. He was right. trying to explain, No, we don't need to hear anything else. I told my wife, Look, let's get up. We can see where that's leading to. Got a copy of the report, and we walked out.
0: And talking about, you know, your son speaking to you saying don't let them get away with it, you then go online, you and your daughter, and you guys create the hashtag. And then you come up with the Justice for Victor White Foundation. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Sure. At the time, uh, you know, we didn't see it. We, we, we needed to do something else to get the people behind us. So that's why at the time, you know, we were meeting with the Monte Temple down. and uh, Well, because we couldn't really meet in New Iberia. Folks were afraid. They was, uh, we were being threatened at the time. But, you know, I wasn't, wasn't, about, I wasn't afraid of them doing me anything, but the people down in New Iberia, they were afraid. So, you know, we met in, New Iberia, in in Lafayette, and so we wanted to do something to make sure that everybody understood we were doing it for uh, my son, uh, Victor White, and then the other individuals the, in the that was impacted by uh, police brutality. And so therefore, that's why we came up with that, and we started utilizing that, and we did rallies under uh, Justice for Victor White as well as uh, 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 we, we, everywhere we went. We used to make sure that everybody knew that we still wanted justice for Victor White third.
0: All right, right, yeah. Um, so with the hashtag and being online, the story hits CNN. News are starting to pick it up a little bit. With that happening, it kind of opened up Pandora's box on New Iberia and what the police were doing to innocent people, what the police were doing to people locked up in prisons. Right. Where were you guys, and how did you feel when you started to hear these stories of men coming forward and people coming forward saying, Hey... This has also happened to me
2: and my family as well. Well, I can truthfully tell you that um, once I got involved in this case... My office got many calls. I got many calls as it relates to what the new, what the Iberia Sheriff's Office was doing to people, and I didn't believe it to be honest. It was so unbelievable that you had this type of corruption that had not really been exposed. And so some of the stories that they were telling me, um, one lady had come and she she started talking about how they just openly beat her husband up, who. Who they just stopped for a traffic violation and and you know people telling me their son hung himself in prison mm-hmm. and that they knew that the Iberia Parish sheriff's office had something to do with that to me that became a little unbelievable until I started putting all the pieces together, and then I realized mm-hmm. that these people were actually telling the truth that this is a pocket of corruption this is mm-hmm. These people have been using or are, are, are committing pretty much crimes on on inmates and just pretty much getting away with doing a lot of illegal and um, uh, injustice type of behavior toward um innocent people.
1: Yeah, I was watching it. That blew my mind. And then even with that, you know, as they would call me, I would refer them to Attorney Lexon because at the time, you know, it was said, but they didn't want to say it openly because they were still living in New Iberia. Yeah. So they would, call, they would call me and say certain things and certain things happen. But now, let's keep in mind, I knew it was fact because I was consulting for the Iberia Paris Sheriff's Department, so a lot of it I knew was fact, but yet and still, I couldn't get those individuals to come forward. And still, they didn't want to come. They, did, they, they wanted something done, but they didn't want Uh, The uh, Sheriff Lewis alcohol and uh, the alcohol thugs that they were known at that time. They did not want them. Uh, to know that they were actually telling about what happened to them, why they were in the jail or uh, their child experience. And and, and, and so like I said, we did protests. We did rallies down there and and only one. Only one protest and rally that we did in New Iberia where the people really, really, really came out. You know, and I think that was at the time when he was indicted. But once they found out that he got acquitted, that they they went right back to doing it the way that they were, that they weren't going to come out. They were not going to provide the support that, that, you know, they needed. We needed, you know, to uh, facilitate change in Iberia Parish, because he was re-elected.
0: Yeah. Reverend, a question for you, because you're a reverend, you're a man of God, man of faith. During this process and after losing a child, has your faith ever been tested, and what was it that got you and your family through?
1: Sure, that was a test of my faith. The, uh, the, the test of my faith was that if, if you know, because the, the, the old me, I, I'll confess that as a, a pastor and a, a, a Uh, My whole means that if anyone killed my child or, you know, most people that knew me before before God called me into uh, uh, this brotherhood is that if you take my child's life, I'm coming after your life. You know, because the Bible did say an eye for an eye. There's a time and a season for everything. Yeah. It's everything there is a season. So, but yet and still, but, you know, I knew seeing that as a test of my faith. And not only that, you know, I realized that at that point that what happened to my son was uh, uh, catapulted me to where I am now. You know, uh, I tell people that I entered into a fraternity where I didn't even ask to be a part of, I didn't volunteer. I was I was uh, uh, called into this because of the death of my right. son. And yet and still, the, the most strangest thing about it is because uh the the police uh, the, the police department they lived in this fantasy world where they was getting away with killing people, they was getting away with brutalizing them. See so therefore I had to look at their fantasy and then kind to of provide some facts, you know. Right. Because other than that they fantasized that, you know, it had to be a fantasy because yeah. yeah, they thought that I wasn't going to speak out on behalf of my son. That was a fantasy. Another fantasy mm-hmm. of theirs is that the fact that when they said my son killed himself, my mm-hmm. son was raised in the church, played, uh, sang in the church, a junior deacon in the church, and so therefore, you know, but we, I knew we were going to have to come with facts be, yeah. because other than that, you know, they would win. And so, no, that was the, it wasn't a test of my faith. You know, it was a part to strengthen my faith, you know, to believe that even right today— I believe we're still going to get justice. We're not going to lay down because, you know, of, uh, of what has transpired. You know, so, But yet and still, not just for small-town USA. That's why we're truly grateful uh, to the I.D. channel and the fact that Sugar Town is, uh, 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 Sugar Town, and Sugar Town is going to open the eyes of other individuals. Some people are still saying, well, I know that did not happen down that the way that they said it. So yet and still, now the facts have come out, and so therefore we can destroy their fantasies.
0: Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Um, Carol, what do you hope that people take away from Sugartown in the documentary?
2: Um, it is our hope that people will um, join together and um, hold the powers that be accountable for injustice that's perpetrated on uh, their community or you know in their, in their area. And uh, we truly hope that this documentary exposes corruption where other small towns or anywhere that's, that people think they're experiencing uh, corruption in their areas, they would come forward and they wouldn't be in fear of wanting to expose and put out, you know, to— um, to um, to expose the police brutality that's going on in their area because we see that throughout the country. Yeah. We see excessive force seems like it is just running rampant through our country. And so hopefully people will galvanize and say enough is enough because there there's power. There's power in numbers yeah. and there's power when people organize. And we've seen that over and over. And of course I saw that as a witness with the Gina 6 when 30,000 mm-hmm. people came to Gina, Louisiana to protest the injustice down there. So we're hoping that people will say enough is enough, and they will hold the powers that be accountable uh, for their own actions.
0: I I think it definitely will. Um, I think, Lakeisha, she said a really amazing quote at the end of the documentary, Your Daughter, and she says that she knows her brother did not die in vain, because I do think this documentary documentary will be able to help those out there, and it will actually shine a light, because as you say, we still want justice for Victor, and I believe that that is going to happen. I thank you guys so much for sitting in with us and giving us a little information and shining your light on uh, Sugartown. just going to drop some information for those who are listening, Uh, Sugar. Town is a two hour documentary. It's going to be on Investigation ID and it airs Monday 6th. Um, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Reverend, before we go, if you would just like to say anything and let the world know, tell us about your son, something that we may not know, because I learned a lot about him, and he seemed like a pretty awesome
1: guy. Sure, the thing that stands out the most is that once again, I see it was a hard work. It was family-oriented. He loved his family. But the most amazing quality or that personality that he had, he had the ability to make you laugh regardless of what you were going through. He can walk up into a room and he could identify with with the the least person in the room and what they were going through. And at that point, he would say something that would cheer them up. You know, so that's why I say if I'll take anything away from that, you know, anything about my son that he was, he was a helper.
0: Yeah thank you guys so much I appreciate you too I cannot wait to see this for those who are listening and watching please check this out on Monday August 6th at 8pm on Investigation IT, IT? let's hashtag Sugartown make sure you guys at Discovery ID and let them know that you guys are watching it and let's get the word out there let's get Victor's name back out there and make sure we get justice for Victor White the Third, aka Little Vic I want to thank you guys again uh, make sure you guys follow us on Black Hollywood Live on BHL Online on Twitter and make sure you guys follow Follow Discovery ID on their Twitter at Discovery ID. Thank you guys again. I am Nikia Monae. Thank, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for thank very you. much. Thank, thank you. Thank my prayers you. and thoughts are with you guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Good night.
1: From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Christen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram me, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.